Welcome to the Karen Kenny Show. This is the place where we take a no bullshit look at life's little lessons. Here, together, we find the spiritual glory in even the most wicked hard story. This is a journey from fear back to love and how we can find our greatest strength and happiness in some of the most unlikely places. I believe that if you're willing to change your mind, you can totally change your life. So, are you ready to rewrite your story and choose to live free? Let's do this. Hey, you guys, and welcome to the Karen Kenny Show. Oh, my God. I don't even know what number episode this is going to be. It might be 54. It might be, but I'm not sure. But I'm so excited. You can see, you guys have no idea. Okay, so here's the thing. I only have people on my show who I love, <laughs> who are like, I'm kind of selfish. Like I have my friends on, I have people I love on. And it's gotta be somebody who, cause I know a lot of people, but um, people who are doing things in the world that really excite me, that I think is for the betterment of the planet and the universe, who I think are truly genuinely like living their calling. Like they got the divine instruction, they picked up the phone, said yes and they're running with it. So you guys, I'm wicked excited today. Sarah Wilson, I could describe her a lot of ways. I could describe her like one of the geniuses behind My Smart Puppy. Uh, she's a dog expert. Some people would say she's a wicked, fancy, smart dog trainer. She's been on a bunch of famous shows and stuff like that. But I'll let, I'll let her like, you know, flush it out. But I'm gonna read her short bio just to be a little professional, okay? So here's what Sarah has to say. So dogs have been teaching me for over 30 years. Working with animals is a daily lens focused on how I see the world, how I deal with mistakes, what I tell myself about both successes and failures. So good, you guys. Nine books have my name as author or co-author. I've appeared on PBS, ABC, CBS, Fox, in many, many publications. Uh, she's worked with also many famous people, <laughs> the dogs they care about. And uh, let's see, the dogs simply want to know if I can help them make sense of the world they are in, and I strive to do that better and better. Look at, I, I just told Sarah, I just totally lied because I told Sarah, I'm going to let her talk and introduce herself for a second, but I'm going to make it, I'm going to let her say hi quickly because I want to dive right into that last sentence there. And uh, I have so much love for my guest. You guys, welcome Sarah Wilson to the show. <laughs> hi, I'm so happy to be here because it's rare that I get a chance to really talk about the big passion in my life, communicating with other species that are on the planet with us. And I know you're such a passionate animal lover and we've known each other so long through yeah. the animals that I am thrilled and honored to get a chance to really get into this with you in a way that I don't get a chance to talk about it. People always like, your dog training, it's about behavior. I'm like, no, it's about relationship. Yes. Behavior can lead us to relationship but behavior without relationship is no fun. That's not why we got dogs. Oh my God. You guys, you can already hear why I love Sarah, okay? So I'm gonna just give you guys a little peek into how we met, why she's been such an important part of our lives and um, the role that she's played for us and our animals. And so my sweetie and I had um, 
adopted, we rescued this little dog and we, you know, it was like adopted unseen. Like so many of our animals came into our life. We didn't meet them first. We just said, yeah, we'll take a shot on them. Like, let's see what happens. And we weren't even looking for Buckminster biscuits. We weren't looking for Bucky at all. We were actually looking to adopt a cat. He and was looking for you though. He needed you. <laughs> we were looking for a cat and right, we found this cat randomly somewhere in Alabama yeah. who was actually on a dog rescue site. They were listing this cat that like wandered out of the woods. Who is Toby Pajamas? You guys all know Toby Pajamas. So right underneath Toby Pajamas picture was Buck. And we were like, oh my God, he's not even much bigger than like a can of dog food. Like it was so crazy. So he comes up here, we get him. And originally he was meant to be like my sweetie's dog. I already had Abby, my beloved Border Collie. Abby was the kind of dog, you guys, like I could literally say to her, Abby, go get a drink of water. And she would get up and she'd walk over and she'd get a drink of water and then she'd come back. Like she Well, was, she thought, why are you asking me such basic questions? <laughs> she was so smart. She was the love of my life. I'm like, oh, I still get emotional when I think about her. Um, but so this was supposed to be his dog, right? The second that Buck and I met each other, though, on the day of transport, you know, we, we picked him up at the, the people's house and he was just all in on mom. He was like, that's it. This is my person, my poor sweetie. And so Buck was like a little afraid of my sweetie. He was pissing all over the house. He was like doing all these crazy behaviors and we didn't know what to do. We asked a lot of different people for advice. We hired a dog trainer, a local dog trainer who came over and assessed the situation, gave us homework, nothing was getting better. And finally, um, I, I broke down like to my vet who I love, uh, Dr. Jim McKiernan. Oh, Jim, I miss Jim. I know, I love, so Dr. Jim's been he's my fine, vet. by the way, I'm just somewhere yeah. else. No, he's not, <laughs> yeah, he's not dead, Sarah just moved. <laughs> so Dr. Jim, um, Great Bay Animal Hospital in Durham, um, he's been my vet for like 20 years. And he said, I, we were at our wits end. We're like, I don't know if we can keep this dog. Like, I don't know what to do. And I understood very quickly, I will say this. It wasn't that I necessarily had a dog problem. It's that Buck had a person problem. I couldn't understand what he needed. Like he was like using a language that I didn't quite get. And I've had dogs my whole life. I've worked at kennels. At one point I thought I wanted to be a veterinarian. So I've been around a lot of animals. So I was just at my wits end and I was just crying because I loved, I came to love this little dog. And he was my first little dog. I'd never had a little dog before, you know, and I was like, I don't know what to do. And Dr. Jim said, before you give up, there's one more person I want you to talk to. And he said, let me get you in touch with Sarah Wilson. She's a dear friend of mine. He spoke so highly of her. He said, if anybody can help you, it's Aww. Sarah. And he says, she knows how to deal with or help with what are called deficit dogs. I'd never heard the term before. I called Sarah and I'm going to let Sarah talk a little bit about, first of all, because I'm being rude right now, but I'm going to let Sarah talk a little bit about what that means to be a deficit dog. And then maybe I'll, and I'll, you can share from your point of view, how you helped with Buck. And then I can talk about what a miracle it was for me. So go ahead. So deficit dog is actually a term I coined. Oh, it is back. your term. So yeah, he, okay, term. perfect. Um, and deficits are animals who 
didn't get socialization during the critical periods. They just got no socialization. Previous to the term, we thought of them as shy, but they may not be genetically shy. What I consider them to be is in free fall. They don't know how to connect with people. They never developed a bond at times. And he was so stressed about being handled, about being touched. He just, as far as he's concerned, he was beamed up by friendly aliens. And if you can imagine, right, all of a sudden, you end up in a friendly alien's house. The aliens are 30 times your size. They're trying to interact with you. You've got no idea what to do. And everything you choose to do is often told as wrong by other people. You didn't do that. So they start to get more and more confused and more and more stressed. And then they start peeing everywhere and being weird because they don't know how to help themselves. Uh, dogs are very much like people that once they have an answer, like once they, once they think the answer is to be frightened, they will never stop being frightened until we show them another way, at which point they go, oh, this is so much better, but I didn't know I could do this. So what I do is I really focus on what behaviors can I help him do that will make him feel more confident. I used to try to, to change their mind and then their behavior would change, but that takes forever. With dogs, behavior and emotions are linked. They're like babies, they're congruent. He cannot behave more confidently without feeling more confident. So I gave you exercises to do that would help him learn to feel more confident. And as he started to feel more confident, deficits are always thrilled to have a better idea. <laughs> so he started going, wow, this feels better. And you guys started to connect and then it all snowballed in the right direction. Yeah. So she makes it sound really like professional and this is what she did. And it was, to me, it was literally like watching a miracle unfold. You guys, I, I had this little, and I, like I said, I wasn't like new to dogs. I knew how to teach dogs how to sit, stay, come, like do some basic stuff. You know, I just couldn't get Buck to do anything. And even to this day, he still is uh, I wouldn't say he's cured. Buck is oh, no. so yeah. sensitive. Like he's always going to be a little bit deficit. And yeah, he's always, yeah, he is. And now that he's 13 and he's starting to tip a little into um, what we, we saw with Abby, which I kind of called, you know, I, I'm not saying I'm the only one who talks, says this, but he's getting a little bit of the doggy dementia. When yeah. Buck gets stressed, he gets these extra wrinkles around yeah. his eyes and his Good eyes bug out. Yeah. yeah. He does that a lot now. And, um, and he kind of, he's over excessively panting. He's, you know, yeah. he's always been a little weird, Buck, but he is the miracle, you guys. So we're like, Sarah, I, I don't know what to do. He's afraid of my sweet. He won't do this. He won't do this. I can't help him. I'm so, you know, and then I was becoming stressed, which doesn't help the situation, obviously. Sarah literally came in the house, you guys, within five minutes. She like meets Buck, she watches him a little bit, assesses the situation, puts the lead on him, da, 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 like Buck, sit. And now at first he wouldn't do it. And then she turned to me and she said, one of the, as a person who has the lifelong assignment of becoming more patient, <laughs> one of the most powerful things that Sarah taught me as a human being, not even regardless of what the subject was, dog or otherwise, she, she looked at me and she said, I've asked him to do this and he will do it. Not in a forceful way. She said, and he will do it. And I don't care how long it takes him. And I was like, wait, what? 
there was no forcing, there was no clicking, there was no like yanking. And she was just like, I'm going to show him that there is a better way. And within five minutes, she was like, Buck, you know, sit. And he sat and I was like, come on. Like my mind was blown. Then she, by the time she left, she had taught him to sit, to down, to come, to like take a treat. I was like, I can't even believe it. And then because he was a deficit dog, I thought this was so fascinating. She actually gave me homework. Here's one of the things I love about Sarah. It's kind of like how I feel about yoga students. I don't just say, these are the postures, force yourself into what exists. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to deal with who's actually in front of me. Mm -hmm. So you gave us, and you, you probably remember, but if you don't, I'll refresh your memory, but I'm going to let you, you gave us kind of unique homework with Buck. And do you remember what that was? Well, a lot of attachment exercises is normally what I do. Yeah. And where other, where trainers, if the dog's attached, then you can leverage that relationship to get them to want to be more connected. But if the dog's not attached, if you try to you know, make them work for what they love, he's just like, I don't love anything enough. I, I don't get it. I have no idea what you're talking about. So first you have to get the attachment. So lots of lap time and lovey time and yes. sleep on you. Yep. Yeah, so you were like, look, I normally wouldn't say this, but I want him to become more attached to you. So you can hold him, you can yeah. like let him sleep with you, like yeah. you can let him do these things. And then the caveat was, because we had other animals in the house, mm -hmm. and I can't, you called it something so funny, and I wish I could remember what it was. Well, tell me what it is, and my guess is I might Yeah, you, it, and I even think it wasn't, it wasn't dirty, but you said if he starts to behave like possessive of you, or uh -huh. growl at the other animals, but you called it something in particular, and it was right. so funny. Like he was being like, mine, like yeah, resource guarding you. Yeah. You're his resource. Yeah. Yeah. So he's still, like I said, you guys, he's come so far. He still is now he's like, when Quincy came, and this is the other thing, and we can talk about this in a little bit. Yeah. As soon as we brought another dog in though, right. once Abby, like Quincy came in and then Abby died, and then it literally became like a pissing match between those yeah. two. So ah. like, this is one of the things I think people sometimes don't think about is that, you know, especially with a dog like Buck, I was like his sun and moon, right? So like I, the, the, the tides like flowed based on like where mom, I'm still his son. To this day, when I walk in a room, he becomes a different dog. He's like, oh my God, she's here, right? He's right. always still very oh. But when you, Buck is so sensitive to his environment, mm -hmm. the slightest change in whatever it is, it, 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 he kind of is like, what is happening? Yeah. And I can relate to that. I have a really sensitive nervous system. So I kind of look at Buck and I'm like, oh my God, in so many ways, he's a reflection of me. <laughs> there we so, go. Yeah. Yeah. So he's taught me so much and we couldn't have done it with your, without your help. And then when we brought in Quincy and then we brought in the two wild squirrels. Thing one and thing two. Oh my God. That was a no, but you guys, what I'm trying to say is Sarah literally saved us and saved our animals. If it wasn't for her, I don't know what we would have done because it can be so overwhelming when you're adopting a dog sight unseen. And I'm not saying you would even say that that's a good idea, but we were just rescuing oh, from the South. So we brought him up and then it was like, okay, it's like crack a jack box. What are you going to get? Like what's, yeah. what's in here with the caramelly corn stuff? Yeah. And we would just be like, holy shit. And Sarah has never let us down. She is so oh, smart 
And so I guess I want to talk to you about that. Like, how did you become a dog expert? Like, how did that revolution or evolution from childhood to like, what happened? Oh, well, first of all, the more you listen to the animals, the more they will teach you. There's a saying in dogs, it may come from horses, that if you want to have opinions about dogs, talk to people. If you want to know the facts, talk to the dogs. <laughs> I love that. I love, love that. Um, so I've always, I was born loving animals and I got into riding horses when I was six or seven and that went on and um, had my own horse, did a lot of that work, learned a lot. Horses will teach you a lot. And then um, was working with dogs. When I was in my 20s, I was actually working in an art gallery on Fifth and Avenue and 57th in Manhattan, right across from Trump Tower. Uh, and I ruptured my appendix and didn't know it. And I almost died, uh, gangrene, peritonitis, the whole thing. Oh my God. And when I survived it, I thought, you know, I should really be doing what I'm passionate about. And what I'm passionate about is animals and people. So I stopped that very good job and went full-time into dog work. And I've been there ever since. Um, I want to circle back to one thing you said about patience. Uh, I decided long ago that patience is the difference between your expectations and reality. <laughs> so, the more you align yourself with reality, yes, patience is necessary because then you're just in the moment with the animal, right? And it's not a matter of patience. I've been doing it long enough that I have faith that the methods I apply will work. And if for some reason they don't, I've got other ones to choose. I think of myself more as a goal-oriented trainer than a method. I'm sort of method and equipment agnostic, but my goal is an animal that is calmer, more confident, more connected. And whatever I can do to get an animal to that, I will use and, and do and yeah, things. Yeah, I, fe I felt like, you know, definitely as a, as a yoga teacher, as a spiritual teacher, whatever, when I was watching you work, I was like, oh, and, and again, like you, you might say, I don't know if you'll agree with me or not, but I've always said that I said, she, th this is a spiritual approach to communicating with animals. You know, it's a really powerful thing and it was like treating the animals with like so especially as a vegan right like I have a different take on animals. like I won't even ride horses because I and I'm not I'm not knocking it I have a lot of friends who are horse people but I'm like you know I mm -hmm. can't I can't ask them do you want this like do you like this right I, and I and I think we've humans have inflicted themselves on animals for oh, so yeah, you long can. you can't ask them is that what you're saying right yeah, one of my friends. Yeah. yeah, one of my friends is an animal communicator, and she says, like literally, and she says she's a horse person, and yeah. she says, you know, one of her horses is like all day. Let's go. He loves yeah. it. Another one has said to her, I "I'm done with this. Just leave me alone. Like I, you can pet me and stuff, but like I don't want anybody on me. I don't want to do this work anymore. It's been really fascinating learning. But again, it's not a judgment. It's just me. So I just feel like humans have like inflicted themselves on animals for so long." And what I really appreciate about your approach to, and I, and I am even hesitant to calling it training because it feels like it's like, you know, it's more like, um, revealing to me. That's how I feel about it. It's like relationship. Yeah. You no, know, you're not training your friends. Right. Right. Unless you're in some psych major and you need to define it that way, you're <laughs> interacting. And for animal, for dogs, 
they have been selected forever to want that bond with us. And I personally think that a lot of the ways we've, what rabbit holes we've gone down, like the, the clicker food stuff, and I use food, and I'll use clickers in certain situations for very specific reasons, but it doesn't build relationship with the animal. Mm -hmm. And the animal craves that connection. So I want to find that part of the animal that craves that connection and then offer them that connection in a non-scary way. And they'll go right to it, like Buck, right to it. Mm -hmm. Of course, I'm not going to put a time limit on Buck because it was clear to me that Buck's experience with people is they ask all kinds of things that I have no idea what they're talking about. (laughs) And then they get frustrated with me when I don't know right? It's like someone comes up to you and goes, Blark, Blark, but I told her three times. Now she's just stubborn. And I'm like, no, she's not stubborn. She has no idea what you're talking about. Yes. Yes. And that's what I mean early on with this work is a lens about what you think the world is. Well, we oh. give everything the meaning, like we yes. give everything the meaning that it has. And, and to, to finish yes. my final thing I wanted to say about you is that, well, not my final thing, but one of the, yes. that, that thought, you have such a respect. You have such a respect for them and you're not there like humanizing them. Like I can't tell you, I mean, social media as a person who loves animals the way that I do is like insane making for me. <laughs> the, and I'm sure for you, like you, I'm just an animal lover and I have a, I probably, I have a slight understanding of things, but when I see everything from like people humanizing the animals, oh, they're just being a dick. They're doing it on purpose. She's mad at me. So she's now she's trying to do this. I said, she's not a human. They, right. They're not, they're not trying to be mean to you or do this to aggravate you. Like, it's so fascinating to me. Number one. And then my final thing is number two. When, when people post videos of animals in different situations, like one example of like a dog, like constantly yes. chasing its tail and they're like, oh my God, it's so funny. And I'm like, right. that is not a dog who is happy yeah. or well. Yeah, exactly. We that just to me is like showing a video of an autistic child whacking their head on the wall and laughing. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. I've been right. dying to have you on the show because I cannot tell you just, I mean, people, are so, and I, and and God bless, I love people and I love animals, but we're so ignorant about how to communicate or what's being communicated to us. And we always put it through our own lens. Humans do this to other humans too. We look at everything through this very limited lens. Yes. We're living that right now. Yes. (laughs) We're, We're living that right now. So Daisy, who I just adopted, my brand new dog, she's a spinner and she does it when she's tense. So just yesterday I went down to the basement. She's a little scared of stairs for whatever reason. So she was up there waiting for me patiently, very calm, not whining, very calm. But when I came upstairs, she spun. And that tells me that that was tense for her in some way. So I'm figuring out ways to help her make another choice to release that in a different way or to connect with me rather than spinning you can't correct stress <laughs> right don't Hello? i know it don't you i know it correct stress. Mm-hmm. it's like the beating shall continue until morale improves um you just so i need to help her 
learn how to make another choice. And it's going to take me, it's going to take me many months to peel that layer away because that is an answer she's clearly had. When I first got her, she could run around the yard at top speed, spinning nonstop as she went. And I just stood there and went, huh, I've never seen that before. <laughs> so I'm glad you're with me, pumpkin pie. And uh, it's going to take us a little while. And I haven't seen her do that, but it's a way of me measuring just how stressful something is for her because she doesn't necessarily show me in other ways. But yes, yeah. we frequently post things that are stressful or I think really disrespectful to animals. Um, I consider them to be sentient beings. We're sentient beings. They're sentient beings. Yeah. Um, they do things better than we do in some cases. We do things better than them in some cases. But what I have is an endless curiosity about how their world looks to them and how they see it and how I can, as I said in my bio, how I can make the world they live in more understandable to them because this has to make no sense at all. Uh, and something that's happening right now, part of that humanizing is that um, I tend to think that we define love as that which we perceive we did not get, right? So if you don't perceive that you got enough attention or focus as a child, then you will try to love your dog by giving them endless attention and focus. Mm -hmm. And the dog gets really confused by that and often stressed too. And we would never do that with a friend. Right. If we were hanging out, I wouldn't be sitting and going, oh, Karen, you're so cute. You're so cute. You're beautiful. You know, you'd be looking at me going, OK, that's odd. Right. Right. That's <laughs> and yeah. And it totally right. speaks to the person's need. It's yes. all it's so self-focused. It's so the ego run amok. Like yes. I'm really showering you with all the love that I wish I had gotten. It's not even about really the dog. I mean, it, right. is, but it isn't right which creates a situation where the dog or the person which withdraws from you, yes. reinforcing your belief that people don't love you, reinforcing your belief that you try harder next time, reinforce, and around we go, the carousel, the spiritual oh. carousel, around we go. <laughs> um, yeah, anything that happens to you more than two or three times, you might want to look at your interpretation of what's happening. Well, I think that's one of the things, right? And you did a really interesting article that I want to talk about, just kind of about this. And, and you, um, because I think, how do I say this? I think that I, I can't tell you, and it's, it makes me sound kind of like a dick, but I, I'll accept it. It's okay. <laughs> but like, I'll walk down the street and I'll just see how people are being with their animals. Yeah. Now, granted, sometimes somebody's just having a bad day or whatever, but you can usually get a sense of like, oh, and I'll say, Jesus, that person should not have a dog. And there have been times like I've actually yelled out my window at people and I just think like, because it's so, I don't know how to explain it other than like, I've always been, a, even as a little, 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 little kid, injustice has always bothered me. And when I see a voiceless being, and whether it's a little kid or somebody who has more power than somebody else who's bigger than you, or you don't have a voice, being mishandled, mismanaged, abused, bossed around, bullied, like just like, you know, rough, I, I get like, 
I can't even tell you the, the, the thing that moves through my body. And, and I'm just like, I always have to make this judgment call. Like, is me saying something and doing something going to make the situation worse afterwards? Like I try to be mindful about it, but it's so painful for me when I see people kind of, again, I, I say it's almost like why I say daily spiritual practices are so important. The knowing of the self, like the true self, because it's the difference between going out into the world in an inspired state, right? In a love state versus going out into the world and inflicting yourself and your needs and your wounds on other people. And, and I see it, I see it a lot in parental dynamics and oh, yeah. I see well, it a lot in human animal dynamics, absolutely. but one of the power, things you, go ahead, please. No, power um, allows character. Right. Reve if and you're in a power it. situation, yes. your character will be displayed. It reveals and it exacerbates. It yes. exacerbates it because it can come out. But what I think when I see that is how lost that person is. Yes. Right. Um, at that moment. And we're all lost at some point or another. Yes. But that animal may be, despite how crazy it is in most cases that can be the longest relationship and the most stable relationship and the relationship that they love almost more than anything else and often yes. dogs have a much less complicated relationship with <laughs> us and we have very few of us have any sort of history of betrayal from our pets amazing so, yes absolute safety I also think we're coming into our third or fourth generation of human beings raised more by machines than by people. Yes. Right? I see the videos in the back seat and the phones at the restaurants and kids spend more time interacting with machines than they do with other human beings. And so the source of that connection that we're wired to have I believe that source is largely going to pets, which is why it's getting so, the attachments are getting so extreme with the animals is because that's the source of touch. Our culture has banned adults oh. touching children, right? right I was but just having this conversation with somebody uh, two hours ago. So yeah, if I, of course, yes. Yeah, so we, we've lost community. We've lost loving touch and even saying adults touching children immediately what springs to my mind is dangerous touch which in fact is a tiny percentage yes absolutely we need to protect children from that tiny touch that's negative but you can't do it at the expense of all the positive touch that we are wired critically to need and how do we raise social loving humans if we don't show them social loving behavior if we teach them that every stranger stranger danger yeah my sweetie and i yell that when buck when buck like when something happens in the house it could just be something like toby jumping up and surprising him and he did and buck's like eh! and yeah. my sweetie starts going stranger danger buck stranger danger like we think it's so funny it's like i feel look I, there i could take this like in five directions because it's such a rich conversation right now I was just at my friend's yoga studio. I went and took a class and we were talking afterwards and um, he, we were talking about, you know, would I go maybe possibly teach a class there and da, da, da. And I was saying, well, here's the thing. I said, I'm a very hands-on teacher. 
And I know nowadays most teachers are saying like, oh, we're not, you know, we have to be trauma sensitive. We can't always know everybody's history with touch. Like yeah. da, 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 da. I said, well, first of all, I would always get permission. I always yeah. ask permission. But here, and this is what I did, just said. I said, we live in a world now where unless you live with a partner, an intimate yep. partner, or you're, you're sexually active with other people in some form, most adults, if they live alone, or even if they have roommates or whatever, they never get touched. touched. We they are a touch-deprived society, and that's what I was saying. And, so and that's the animals, and that's why they're more and more companion animals than there have ever been. Well, and what if, and more and more like people can't fly without their made up. I know how, so many people that have oh, quote unquote service animals. It's really yeah. just you're anxious and you don't like it and you want to come. Well, you, you don't like want to put your animal underneath, period. You just don't want to put your animal underneath the plane, which I get. But there's a no. like, there's this attachment in a way though that like, um, I see it like the way that people, just what you were talking about, yeah. that overly enthusiastic, because look, I get it. I mean, animals, since I was a little kid, I often say it like this, you know, I have jokingly always said there's a, and I'm not the only one who's ever said this, but there's a reason why dog is God spelled backwards, right? For me, in my world, I'm like, animals has always been a super fast pathway to the divine for me. It's very uncomplicated relationship for me. It's like literally the second I see a dog, if I met Daisy, I'd be like, oh my God, I love her. I already love her. I haven't even met her, right? So that's always just been really easy for me. But I, I, can, I know enough now from having smart friends like you, even if I'm really like, oh my God, oh my God, that is not how I meet the animal. It is right. not how I approach and interact with the animal. Like if I you love the animal. <laughs> Now, if you love the animal, you allow them to make the choice, right? I will always stop at a polite distance, just as I would with a human, and ask, hey, bud. And if they come over, then I introduce myself. If they do not come over, I don't go to them because they've already voted, right? They've already said, <laughs> not right now, for whatever reason. Yes. And I wouldn't do that to a stranger either. If I said hi and they turned away, I wouldn't go up and go, now, come on, you're so cute. <laughs> that would be so rude. So applying some of the same rules we have of social contact with the animals would be a huge step in the right direction uh, and would keep a lot of people safe because dogs tell us very clearly, they're very honest, they tell us where they are. And what I would love is for people to learn how to read that and to respect what the animals tell us. If they say not right now, it's not right now, just as it would be for us. If we said, you know, right now, no, thank you. If the person came and sat next to us and tried to touch us, we would either run away or scream at them. Why are you bothering me? I told you not now. Right. Um, so part of loving the animal is learning to respect them. And part of respecting them is learning their language so that we can interpret it appropriately and be respectful to them. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I love everything you just said. And two things to play off of that. One is it's like, you know, I grew up and, and you may, I'm curious about this, but I kind of grew up in that generation where even if the creepy uncle or whoever came over, it was like, go give them a kiss. And the yeah. little kid's like, no, like, I don't right. want to. And they're hiding behind their parents' legs. And they're like, don't be rude. Go give Auntie yep. Sylvie, whoever. And you're just like, 
I just see it. I'm like, why are we forcing little beings, whether they're furry or human, right, to interact in a way that they're clearly everything and they're having a full body no. Yes. And the parents are insisting, the human, right. the biggest humans in the room are insisting that they go do this thing. Right, because like, we're embarrassed. We're socially embarrassed. We don't want to hurt people's feelings. But if we want kids to have agency, amen. Right, and when they say no, we go, okay, got it. Um, years ago, and I wish people would do this, as a dog trainer, I came up with something I call stop and go with kids. I want kids to be safe, but then why aren't we practicing safe behaviors with them rather than just frightening them of the world? So stop and go is you play this with your neighbors and you're, you're, you're outside and your neighbor says, do you want to come over for a lemonade? And the child starts to go and your neighbor says, nope, stop. What should you do? And then the child goes to the, your adult parent um, and the parent puts down whatever they're doing, absolutely, immediately, and goes with the child. So you actually get a chance to practice them not being seduced by, I have a puppy, I've got cookies, get in my van, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. That's what we're worried about. That gives them a positive thing to do, something you can reward and cheer them on for making the choice rather than just having a generalized fearfulness because I remember one parent telling me they heard their child talking to uh, somebody outside and they ran outside and uh, I think it was a delivery person. And she said, I told you not to talk to strangers. And the little boy said, he's not a stranger. He comes here all the time. So mm -hmm. generalized fear doesn't prepare the child to make the choice, but practicing something with family and friends, because that's a bigger risk. Family and friends are by far the biggest risk, right? Of the creepy uncle. Yes, of course. Much more than um, somebody. Uh, the stranger. Yeah, much more. I mean, almost all of sexual abuse happens from, you know, uh, you know, childhood kind of incest and stuff like that. It all happens within people, within people you know. Yep. Not all. I'm just saying. A, no, a not large all. But the portion, majority of it. A large portion of it. of it. And so yep. there's so many things here. So I, I kind of want to circle back to what you were saying about um, how so much of this kind of, I wanna, I wanna choose my word right here, but I don't wanna say it's misplaced love, but so much of this inability to connect with other humans, because we are so digitized now, we are so electronic now, like getting face to face with people, you know, has become, other than going to work, if you work at a building or whatever, it's become like hotter and hotter for people. So there's this little bit- And of not, not preference. Sit. What do you mean? Go, go. Sorry, your computers, but but not people's preference. I hear a lot of younger people saying, "If I can do something that allows me just to go and pick up the rental car or do what I can over the phone and not deal with anybody, I would much prefer that." Yes. Yeah. Well, because we want speed, and we want simplification, and we want it to be easier and stuff like that. And uh, but I just know that nothing replaces face to face. Like mm -hmm. that's why I do in person retreats a couple of times a year. I'm like, let's come out and have a human face to face. You know, we could actually touch each other. Not you know what I'm yeah. saying. Like experience. Like get get in the room with each other. But one of the things like you, I knew that you were on. Um, it kind of blew up this this particular article, and I know you were interviewed on you know a bunch of like you know big TV shows and things like that for this concept of like um, 
um, oxytocin and how, um, like why women love their dogs so much. It was the yep. chemicals that get released in the brain through this relationship. Can we talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. And we just have been talking yes. about that. We're wired to be social. That's what we want to be. We are social animals. And when we connect, when we love, when we, um, especially with dogs, when we cradle them, look down as we would onto an infant, Yes, and we touch them and we stroke them, oxytocin floods our system. And the good news is it floods their system too, which <laughs> I love, right? I love, it's mutual. But in any case, oxytocin is a big word for the hormone. It makes us feel more confident, more secure. It lessens pain. It makes you more social. It is just one of the really great feel-good hormones. Mm -hmm. And my opinion is, that is why dogs can do such good work with PTSD and um, dissociative identity disorder that used to be called multiple personality disorder mm -hmm. because people can medicate themselves at will, medicate themselves at will with oxytocin when they're stressed and oxytocin lowers your stress. So right now in the world we're living in, mm -hmm. we all need our animals big time. Mm -hmm. We need to make sure that every day, no matter how freaked out we are, <laughs> that we take time to love them, play with them, to get that hormone going for both of us, but specifically mm -hmm. for us. It's one of our ways to really take care of ourselves. Yes. And for years, people knew that having a pet caused people to live longer, recover from illness faster. Spouses didn't, by the way. Pets but, did. Yes. Right? Um, and I think it's because uh, of the oxytocin that happens. Yes, we're more active, but we don't walk our cats. Right. And yet it has a similar thing. So they supply um, hormonal refuge for us that we can get really nowhere else and less and less. The more mechanized we get, the more of a refuge animals are for that deeply primal part yes. of us that needs to be in physical contact with others. I 100%, 100% agree. And there was something that um, I, I wanted to just say off of that. So it, now it's like, it just, just like left. left It'll circle back. Yeah. So I think this, this thing about um, like what you're saying, you know, touch them, get close to them, like play with them because they become such I, for me, I can't even imagine, like, you know, we now are down to six pets, you know, four, four You're dogs down four do well, cause one died. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Susie, it's okay. Susie rabbit, one of our cats passed away. So we have four dogs, a cat and a bunny, and they're all like hitting this age where I just oh. say, we are just going to be a house of grief over here over the next like five, whatever it is, three to five right. years, because they're like, you know, Binky's about tapping into the end of her kind of life. Toby's 13, Buck is hitting 13. Um, they're like, you know, and they're rescues. So they could be 12, 12 and a half, 13, right. but they're in that area. Quincy's 10. The littles are, are now eight, which is like, can't even. Yeah, but the, all your little dogs could go quite a bit farther than 13. Yeah. So we're you like, you know, out. fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Um, but so we're just kind of like preparing for this. And we sometimes think like, okay, when these guys are gone, I asked myself this question, could I ever be, a, for a long period of time, could I ever be a no dog household? And I'm just like, dude, like, 
I don't know, man. I don't know if I could do it. And I know people who have no animals because they want the freedom to just travel and do whatever they want to do and they don't want to think about it. It's so ingrained to me to touch something furry like at right. some point throughout the day. And, you know, when I talk about how when I come into the room and Buck starts to get it, you know, he's so, his little tail starts to wag and he gets like happy. And I'm like, I'm also, hey, P.S., me too. Right. Like, I'm like, it's really kind of hard to have a bad day over here because there's so much love. Like in school. We're wired right. to resonate with that. <laughs> Right? We see that much excitement and we sync up with that. So one of the things I try to do with my sweetie is when he comes home, I try to greet him at least as well as a dog. Right. <laughs> I stop what I'm doing, yes. I run to the door, and I tell him how glad I am that he's home. A hundred percent. I say, and I've actually said that to people. I said, you know, if we greeted each other the way like our dogs greeted yes. us, and, you know, and I love that kind of, I love that quote. It's become a meme now, but it says, um, you know, I hope to be, I hope to be the person that my dog thinks that I am or be, right. you know, believes that I am. And I, I really genuinely think about that. I'm like, you know, no matter what I do, like they have no concept of my rank in humanity. Right? No, they, don't care. they just think she's awesome. Yeah. She gives us, you know, she gives us treats and, and I no. actually, no. But, but wait, that's, that's my next question. That's, Let's that's, talk about that. That's my next question. People have tried to argue, tried to have the, let's not call it an argument, the discussion with me, the debate with me, that they only love us because we're the ones that feed them. And so we've made them dependent. And now if we stopped giving them treats and snacks and food and stuff like that, they wouldn't want anything to do with us. What do you say to that? <sighs> It's, I find it really interesting that somewhere along the way, and really it's the last 15 or 20 years, and I see it partially as a reflection of how little value people put into their worth mm. as a friend, mm. as a friend. And what I would say to that is when I left my ex, I had to send my horse, Nikki, to a safe place. It ended up being a place that's a couple of hours from where I am now. I remember that. I remember yeah. that. Mm -hmm. And about six months later, I went to visit him. And the man taking care of him didn't know the kind of relationship I have with my animals. So he said, he said, I put a piece of tape on his mane so you would know which one he was. Oh my God. Right? So... <laughs> And, no right. disrespect, no disrespect. It's just, yes, okay. Right? No, it, it's like saying, you know, you put a hat on your kid because there are 30 <laughs> other kids. Maybe you won't recognize him. And I was like, okay, he's not going to be ready for what's about to happen. And he said, they're out in 100 acres. We may not even really be able to catch them. And so what we did, we got to the pasture. I climbed up on the gate and I went, hey, Nikki. And a head shoots up from across the field. He's looking away. And I'm like, Nicodicolous. And he starts booking over. And the guy's like, uh, what? <laughs> I said, we're friends. Yes. Right? We're friends. It's that not, just made me emotional. That just like right? hit my heart. But it's not transactional. I know. If all you do with an animal is give them food, if you make 
the connection you have with that animal food-based, then yeah, when you stop giving them food, it's like an employer who doesn't really care about you. If all they do is give you money, right? (laughs) Then when they stop giving you money, you will go away. Exactly. But that does not define the richness of a friendship. I agree. In any way, shape, or form. And it is a sadness to me that so many parts of the dog community of training have gone so far down the Skinner rabbit hole of straight behavior and food that they think that that's what it's about. It's so much more than that. And to have it broken down to you raise a child and you never hug them, you never say you love them, because that side of my profession says that praise just slows down the learning process. Which boggles my mind. Like, I don't get that at all. It's all about behavior. They think behavior is relationship. It's not. Daisy's a great example. Whoever had her did a lot of training with her. She knows behaviors. She did not know how to have a relationship, which is why she was literally spinning out of control. She needs a connection that makes sense to her that's based on our relationship, not about food, not about a clicker, not about, and those things can be useful, but I've got a problem with them. Now I'm going to go down another rabbit hole. I've got a problem with them because I think that clicking too much can change the brain chemistry of, an, of a social animal. Because the whole point of winning, if you're a social animal, is to do what? If you win, what happens? You raise your status. And if all you do is click, then you raise the status, raise the status, raise the status, and you can get an animal that doesn't want to be touched by you, doesn't want to give you attention, right? And so then their lens is that that's what animals are capable of because that's what they inadvertently created, mm. right? So then they tell you that's all they're capable of. If, it, if I didn't give him treats, he wouldn't hang around. And I, I would say, yeah, but, <laughs> right? That's because you taught the animal exactly. that all you were for was a transactional relationship. But that does, don't, don't make that all they're capable of. Just don't, because that's don't all they're limit them. Of. Yes. Right. It's like, it's so, this is what I'm talking about. This is why I wish like everybody had, you know, a Sarah Wilson in their life because I I just see, and again, like, look, I love people. I also understand we sometimes know just enough to be dangerous. (laughs) It's like, oh my God. Like, you know, and I, and, and, and so what, so two things that are always, that always come up for me, um, situationally like with animals and I and I want to I want to talk about um one of them which is because you said something earlier and it just came back to me when you were talking about little kids and animals so so often I'll be like in an environment whether it's at somebody's house or like whatever and I see the way the adults allow the children to handle the animals whether it's like babies whacking the dog and, and I'm always just like, fingers crossed, good dog, good dog, good dog, right? Or they're like holding a cat like a teddy bear and they're dangling. And there's so many situations where I'm like, this is going to leave a mark. 
Like yeah. this is not going to end well. So is there any advice just for, and I've also seen another situation that, that hurts me. And again, I'm not judging. I haven't been in the situation, but like when people replace their dog with a baby and then it's like now the dog, like this is no longer a dog friendly home. We're going to, you know, it's like all of a sudden there's a new kid in town type of a thing. So again, not to judge, but I see all these things around animals and I just think like, so when it comes to preparing or teaching your children how to behave with an animal, are there a few tips or whatever that might, I mean, they might not be universal, but they might be that might be helpful. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, we're all on our own journey and, yes. and happily dogs adapt to all kinds of stuff very easily. Yes. So my rule with dogs um, and kids is you don't allow a child to do what to a dog anything you would not allow that child to do to a younger child. Right? So you wouldn't let your six-year-old go up and push or whack on the head when the three-year-old's asking to be, you would know how to stop it. Mm -hmm. And you would stop it. So often, I think sometimes, often what I see is that things are allowed because it's just not perceived to be a big deal. They think the dog's a good dog, so there's not going to be a problem. And often, bless the dogs, they are incredibly tolerant and patient. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I would trust that gut instinct you have inside and parents have. If you see something, you go, wow, you know. That I would not allow my child to do that to another child, then that's probably not an okay thing to allow the child to do the dog. And also to respect the dog's statement. So your child's doing something, the dog gets up and moves, your dog has just said, I don't like this, mm -hmm. right? If the child then pursues the dog and continues, the dog may snap because the dog's already said, I don't like this. And now we've left them no other option. So mm. one of the things I try to think about is if I notice the dog saying, no, thank you, I'm going to intervene because I don't want the dog to go to the next level of no, thank you. They've already yeah. said it once or twice or yeah. three times. Um, I want to stop it there. So watch for your dog turning away, moving away, turning their back on the child. Um, you know, all kinds of ways that if you saw an adult doing this with a child, you'd go, wow, that adult doesn't want to interact right now, right? <laughs> Not interested. Uh, and dogs are great. And a lot of them will be patient way beyond anything we would, we would do as human beings. We would snap at the child long before that. But you can't guarantee that. And I want my dogs to know that I will come in on their behalf. You would advocate, remember, right, advocate for them, for sure. Advocate for them. So I remember years ago, one of my shepherds was curled up on the couch because I do not have a problem with that myself. And somebody went up and grabbed her by the face and like, ooh, boo, 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 boo. And she sat there and she rolled her eyes at me like, are you going to do something about this? And I'm like, baby, I'm on my way. I'm <laughs> on my way. I see it. Thank you so much for looking at me first. I you know, I'll take care of this for you. Yes. Uh, yeah. When the dog knows that you're a team, you can get that little extra time to intervene because they will refer to you first and say, is this okay? And I'll go, nope, I'm on it. Yeah. On it. I, I used to have to, you know, Abby was such a pretty dog Yes. and she'd be in the car and I took her, you know, I took her with me everywhere. 
And especially as she got older and she couldn't see as good and she was picky. Abby was picky about who she was pals with and the way the relationship always started. I'd say, please just don't go up to her and like stick your fit. I'm like, approach her with a ball, Mm -hmm. throw the ball. You will be friends for life. That's, that's the condition. Like we got to establish a little relationship here, but so many people would like, like, you know, you go to the park. You're right. He'd be in the car and I'd get out first and a friend would see her and they'd be like, oh, and they'd go to stick their hand in and she'd, and they'd be like, ooh. And I'm like, dude, you just totally invaded her space. She didn't know you were coming in, like whatever. And so it's one of these things where we love it. We love dogs so much. We want to get close to them. And we don't consider, like you said, like I, I remember I just learned this thing about Montessori floor beds. All right. I'm not a parent. I'm like Montessori schools. What the hell is a Montessori floor bed? So I I Google it because I'm curious about everything. And I realized they say, well, a Montessori floor bed, what they encourage parents to do is get down on the floor, Mm -hmm. like lay on your back, roll on your stomach, look around, see how the world looks to you through the lens of a child's eyes, like the height of things, where things are. And I thought, this is genius. And I'm like, people should do this for their dogs once in a while. Like, what's it like to see from their height and their lens? Oh, and the more you love the animal, the more you want to be polite and respectful. So one of my sayings is the smaller the space, the higher the stakes. Cars, elevators, corners, underneath furniture, you reach in at a dog, they are more likely to be defensive. And can you imagine if you're sitting in the car, la, 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 and someone spots you and goes, oh, she's adorable, and runs to the car and reaches in at you. You would freak out, right? And, but somehow we've thought that dogs should know that we come in with good intentions. But if you really have good intentions, then you have to ask the dog. Well, you have to ask the dog. So this is where I have to get a little better because I fully admit I see fuzzy and some other part of me goes like, and so my friends tell this story where they laugh. Like I I booked across the street, but I I went up and I was like, friendly, can I pet? Like, and she was like, (laughs) and I was like, ah, you know, and I'm like, okay, I have to get better at my own boundaries because I get really excited. But I will say, I'm really good at asking, like if somebody's holding and it's a tiny little Pomeranian or something, it's like, I, I get a little crazy, but I'm really good at going, is your dog friendly? Can I approach? Like, and I right. still know I, I squat down. I try to, you know, I try to be smart. Always let the dog do the last two feet. Come to you. You approach, I stop, I ask. Hi, bud. If he doesn't come over, then you just admire him from afar. Let it go. <laughs> Let it go. Right? Because if you really love the animal, yes, then you do, then you take their word for it. Well, and here's a little note note to self and note to anybody mm-hmm. else who might be listening. Um, it's not about getting your need met, right? Like in that moment, if we're letting them truly decide. Yes, and, and if we were like you're saying, if we love them and respect them, they get to decide if they want to come into our space. And it's not personal. Don't take it personally. Exactly. It is not personal. You don't know what kind of day they've had or what their history is or any of that stuff. 
I love so that. So just like nobody knows ours. So the way to love an animal is to be respectful of that animal. Years ago, I went down to the Galapagos and I was lucky enough to go snorkeling. And this will tie in. Anybody who knows me knows that eventually <laughs> these, these rabbit holes tie in. So give me a second. Um, and everybody in the boat went left. So I went right because that's my nature. <laughs> um, and I was swimming along snorkel fins and two sea lions came down and we then played for an hour and a half. Oh my God. And why did we play? Because they could come right up to my mask and look, and I would never be so rude as to attempt to touch a wild animal. Therefore, they got really comfortable with me. And I would put my fins out of the water. They would put their tail out of the water. They would spin around me. One would hang in the water. The other one would come up and wrap his, his fins around his buddy and they'd look at me like, what the heck is she? Uh, and I had the world's best time. But when you come from a place of respect, you actually allow the animals to offer you more of themselves. Mm. If you intrude on them, you will get a cursory at best, just like you've intruded on a person. If I ran up and went, you're so cute, right? You'd be like, hi, now go away. You know, yeah, when it's freaking me out right now. <laughs> I'm not going to bite her, but yeah, I don't like her. But if you actually let them know, I'm going to be respectful of you, then they can reveal themselves to you. And you get a chance to actually get to know more about who they are, which is endlessly interesting to, to me anyway. I'm always curious. Yeah, me too. I have so many feelings about so much of what you just said. And again, I want to be clear. I'm not like judging my brothers and sisters so much as I'm reflecting back like behaviors that I see and have been guilty, you know, and I don't even like to use the word. It's, I won't even say I've been guilty of. It's that I didn't know better. I didn't know right. better at the time. Right. right? And so Good old Oprah. when we know better, we do better. Yeah. And that's why one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show is I have such a love for dogs and I'm like, okay, what's one of the ways I can be more helpful in the world? I'm like, oh, if I can even get like however many ears like this lands in the hats and the, and the heads in the homes that this lands in, I think it'll be really, really helpful because it is, it's painful for me. It's like, especially as a vegan who chooses not to eat animals or wear animals and all the byproducts and stuff like that. And, you know, well, I'll you have, don't cause pandemics now, do you? you know. <laughs> no pandemic was ever started by a vegan. No. <laughs> the annoying don't vegan. blame us. The annoying vegans. But no, but it's like when I see like people are like, oh, I'm going on this trip to like swim with the dolphins or I'm going to do this thing and they can't wait. And it's so, I always want to say to them, like if you, like on some level, I'm not saying this about dogs, but on some level, if we really love them, we would kind of just leave them alone. Like we wouldn't be up in their face and wanting to touch them and do all these things. And, and I sometimes get like, I do, for whatever reason, I feel so protective of my animal brothers and sisters, and I want to advocate for them in, in so many ways because we don't know. Like, even if we have nothing but good intentions and we're just curious and we're excited, and it's how I kind of feel, um, you know, about like zoos and aquariums and stuff like that, because I think. Like I hear parents say, well, I, I take my kids to the zoo because I want them to know these animals and love them. And I'm like, well, they're not behaving like themselves. No. In the, no, no, wait. So right. I'm not a hundred percent like anti because I know that there are some programs 
where they're keeping the species alive through their yep. reproductive programs. And there's also places that are uh, rehabilitate them. So I'm not, I'm not going across the board saying they're all evil. What I'm saying is though, is I think that I just wish we would think a lot more about the situations we're putting our animals in when they don't have a choice. And then if they're already like encaged and we're like slamming our faces up against the windows and knocking on them and doing all these things, I just think like, oh my God, they must be so stressed. However- Well, I'm, you will know if they're stressed. I'm bringing it up because I wanna know what you think. Well, I think that our species cares about things they've experienced in general. Yep. So if people get to fall in love with different species or become aware of that is an educational thing, if it's too distant, if you never get that experience of seeing how big a polar bear is, you know, right there and have that wonder, yes. we may not be motivated to make other change. So I, th I think we're, as a species, many of us are very separated from nature. Yes. The more separated we are from nature, the less we think about her and the less we'll act on her behalf. Yes. So whatever we can do to engage more and more people in the natural world, I think is in the long run better for the world as a whole. So that's where I am at that. And I think lots and lots of zoos are making a huge effort for their animals to be relaxed. And you can see when they're stressed because they start to do repetitive yes. behaviors, right? Yes. Uh, and zoos hate that. They really try. They do a lot of enrichment now trying to stop that kind of repetitive behavior. And that used to be standard. And now- yeah, I remember you, from when I was a kid. Yeah. Right. Everything would just pace back and forth. Yes. Right. Just pace back and forth. And that is not what's going on in a lot of zoological parks now. They're, they're just not. But I know that people feel passionate about it in many different directions. Yes. I have, for me, it's if we don't meet nature, why will we protect nature? So, so having a, a more, like, like you're saying, this identifiable thing where we can connect and have, have the moment. For me, it's like, and I understand, like, again, I'm not, I, one of my favorite things to do as a kid was the Stoneham Zoo, like in Massachusetts. Yeah. And I was like, being up close with an animal, it was like so amazing to me. And it wasn't until later, like, you know, like we would um, sometimes come to like New Hampshire and there was like this. I can't even remember the place. It was like a trading post and they had these right. bears like in the, and, and when I look back now, it like, I, it, it crushes me. It like breaks my heart when I understand the reality of what these animals were probably dealing with. And yeah, that, that sort of thing, not okay. Yes. And so, and so, yeah. And it's like, why, like, you know, like sea world, when you see like these poor animals, like, you know, right. I just think like, oh my God. So, and I, and I have a friend who, well, I wouldn't say we're friends, we're friendly. We know of each other, Cy Montgomery. And she's written a, a bunch of books, but she wrote a book called Soul of the Octopus, Soul of the Octopus. And she, that's what she does. She goes into the natural world and then she comes back and she reports. And it's like, you can't help but fall in love with octopus after reading right. that book. You're just They're like, oh so my God. smart. 
they're so smart. They're crazy smart. They are so smart. And it, it's so, it's so incredible. And okay. So while we're, we're, we're so two, two, fi two final things, one of them, we were both kind of chuckling at this because for me, I just try to think about like, what are the things that like light up besides like my love for animals and what a difference they've made in the world. But um, let's just talk about, let's dive into retractable leashes. <laughs> Oh. And why I hate them is, well, it doesn't matter why I hate them, but you are the expert here. So talk to us, educate us a little bit on retractable leashes. And for those of you who are like, what's a retractable leash? It's those ones that have like the little handle grip it, and then they stretch out to different distances, right? It's so what can, people use when you hear, he's friendly, he's friendly, <laughs> and you hear, coming your way. All right, here's, here's my problem with retractable leashes. They're sold at the store as if it's just a leash, right? You just go pick it up, it's a leash. Now my dog has more running room. That's fantastic. What they don't tell you is if you go to the website, last time I looked, I haven't looked recently, there is more wording about the dangers of those leashes <laughs> on the website than there are about chainsaws and handguns. <laughs> I know people who have been, multiple people who have sent, been sent to the hospital because their dog, and these were dog trainers, the dog ran around their legs and took off and that leash cut into their flesh deeply. Ugh. I know of people where they grab the leash or the leash wrapped around, they've lost fingers. Um, it's, the leash breaks, it retracts back into their face. It is such a hazard. A dear friend of mine's, son he was going biking he was a competitive biker he comes around the corner the dog was on the other side of the road on a retractable leash and he ended up down the side broken collarbone broken arm just really dislike them uh really dislike their use around children because kids and dogs and retractable leashes is a great way for someone to get hurt the only time I will use them is if I take an untrained dog to a field and I'm the one handling it and I know there's nobody around that I can harm because <laughs> um, I've known dogs that were hit by cars because the person was walking on one side of the fence, the dog scooted under and ran into the street after something and they just couldn't lock it fast enough. Oh, God. Um, so... It's one of the, it's a much more tricky tool and dangerous tool and should not, in my opinion, be used on streets and sidewalks. It's a, I walk the dog on a regular leash to the park where there's a big field and then I'll run the dog around and I put them on the regular leash, bring them home. So anyway, yes. Yeah, because they can be. And I think that's it, right? Because they're just sold like, oh, it's just like a leash, like any other leash. And we, we think- Just like gives them more freedom. Yeah, yes. exactly. And we don't realize, like, I've seen the pictures, the yeah. burns, like, this, yeah. like, of the, I mean, I've seen the stuff and I'm just like, that is not soothing. But I've also seen, I, in my, in my very unexpert opinion, um, it just makes it, you don't have as much, for lack of a better word, control or handling ability if there's yeah. an incident or something happens. Yep. You can't get that dog back to you as quickly as you might need to. Yep. And my thing is when you're walking a dog, no matter how long the leash is, you're still walking the same pace. Right? right? I mean, <laughs> whether they're four feet ahead of you or 15 feet ahead of you, you're still walking the same pace, the same distance. And we don't need them with that 15 or 20 feet being able to go onto the road or get in front. So uh, not 
not safe for most people. One a, a trainer I know has a huge drawer full of retractables, and whenever a client comes in, she says, "You do not have a license to retract." <laughs> I will give this back to you when you have earned it back. So she just has. Oh my this god deep and the retractable leash sites will say do not use on untrained dogs and i always think they're only used on untrained dogs i would say do not use on untrained humans that's what i would say well it's just and people have no idea they just want the dog to have freedom and to have some fun and they feel like they're cooped up and i i hear them they but because the none of us read the packaging or go to the website. <laughs> They're unaware of the risk that's possible. Yeah. So the more people that are aware of the risk, use the regular leash, go to a big park or playground, let the dog run around where it's just you. Do not have this leash and your dog and a child around. Makes me really nervous. Um, and then put them on a leash and walk them home. And then you can have some freedom and you can have safety. Yeah, I think that's great. I think it's great. And I think one of my final questions, and I'm going to let you riff off if there's any final Oh, things excellent. Can't that, wait. Yeah, no, that you want to talk about. But I, I know, so I know a bunch of different people who are in the uh, quote unquote dog training world. And I'm always fascinated by like, um, and I just know because things that they post and write that you, from what I understand, now correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not in that world, but dog trainers can be so brutal oh. to each other about yes. the quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes, people at home, if you're not, if you're not watching, like the right way yes. to kind of attack each other and tear each other's methodologies yep. down. And people are like, oh, you know, uh, you know, the dog whisperer Caesar and his tit tit and his, he was the worst thing that ever happened to dogs and other people are like, oh my God, he's amazing. Everybody's got opinions. Yep. So yep. like, what, if, is there anything, if you are going to kind of say anything about the industry or let me put it this way, if there was something that you would like to see more of or less of or whatever, it, could you, is there anything off the top of your head? And again, not asking you to tear other people down or judge them, but is there anything that you wish that there was a little bit more of something? One of the, well, one of the funny t-shirts out there is the only thing two dog trainers can agree on is what the third one's doing wrong. <laughs> have a common enemy right okay gotcha, gotcha. so it is it's it's a brutal um industry and it does amuse it does amuse me um the people who are air quotes all positive um who are brutal to other human beings because i think if all if all positive is really the best way to interact with any being then you need to live it you need to live it. You can't, can't tell me this hypothetically and then attack other people from where they are on their journey, right? So the only thing I would say is for all the people out there who love their animals, find a trainer that at the end of the session, your dog is calmer, more confident, and more connected to you. If the dog is those three things, then that trainer works with that dog. If your dog is not those three things, if they're more distracted, if they're totally worked up, if their tail is down, if their head is down, if they're more fearful, then that methodology doesn't work or how that methodology is being applied doesn't work. So 
I do not care what all the conversation is between trainers. I care about the results with the animal. And if the animal's better off for our methods, then I use those methods. And if they're not, then I don't. And that's all, that's all I care about. The rest of it, I, you can't keep up with it. So let your dog inform you of the yes. experience they're having. Yes. Yes. Right. Um, and what I've seen too much, too many treats and, and not enough relationship work and the dog can get socially hard. They won't wag their tail at you anymore. You talk to them and they just look at you like, yo, where's the treat? Then you've gone too far down the treat zone. If the dog looks at you and starts to get stressed or looks unsure or like my little daisy spins or get some other stress response, then they don't understand and they feel pressured. So too much pressure is being added before the animal understands why. And that's very common. Uh, we as humans, we have a big tendency. If a little doesn't work, let's just do it louder or stronger. Oh my God, it's so true. Right? True for yoga too, right? Yeah, we'll just force you into position because that's the point, right? <laughs> I'll do yoga right. Well, if you're worried about doing yoga right, you're probably not doing yoga yet. Um, exactly, exactly. So, you know, so just read the dog. If they're not doing it, it's because they're confused, period. Dogs do what they understand. And you could say, yeah, but I've been training them forever. And I'd say, it doesn't matter how long you've been training them. If the dog doesn't understand, they don't understand. And you doing it for another month in a way they don't understand doesn't help them. doesn't help right doesn't make it any better for the dog um so just assume the dog's confused and try to figure out a way to unconfuse them and i am not anti-food and i'm not anti-clicker but i'm anti the use of it to the point where the animal now becomes transactional with you yeah and like don't pet me don't, you know, come on, let's go. And I think now we've lost the dog and the dog. We've made yes. them into something else. Yes, I, I can totally see how that can happen 100%. You know, um, I, I want to give you a chance to just, if there's, if there's anything else that, that, that you want to say, I want you to be able to just like, you know, like, you know, no, but there's like anything in particular around, around our relationship with dogs and what, just one of the ways that we can make um, our relationships better you know, and, and, but there was, I'm trying to think there was one other thing that you had just said, and I was like, oh, I wanted to ask you about this. Um, so I'm just going to just give me one second here. That's fine. I'm not going anywhere. Hmm. Well, oh, well, I think I was curious about, um, like breeds, when people have these expectations and whether they're positive or negative around right. like, well, this is a border collie, they're going, so I'll never forget somebody came up to me one time and they saw Abby and they, you know, they saw us interacting, how smart she was. And they said to me, so do you have a farm? Do you have some sheep? And I was like, no. And they said, it's cruel of you. It's cruel of you to have a, a working dog that doesn't get to work. She was born to do this. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, this dog wants, I'm thinking in my head, this dog wants for nothing. I'm like, I throw her that ball. I'm like, the balls are her sheep, basically. Right. I, I let her herd the balls around the yard, like the whole thing. And I just remember feeling like, oh my God. And like how it, like, I, it like, hurt you. 
a half a second, I was just like, oh, am I being a bad dog mom to Abby? Like, oh my God. And I felt so bad. And, and it's just like how I see, like, and I have friends who are very nature loving, right? They're hikers. They love the wilderness. They snowshoe. They do all this stuff. And they'll be like, I always get conflicted, Sarah. I guess this is where I'm coming from with the breed thing. When they're like, well, this particular breed of dogs, like they were bred to do sled dog running. Like they live for this. They want to be out in those conditions. They want to be pulling a sled. And I'm always like, but how do we know? Like, like, do they? Like, is this a humane thing to still be doing? Or like just how we, we characterize because just like dogs, I look at dogs like I look at people as individuals. So I'm just, ah, but, if you have any thoughts? No, honestly, oh, I'm yes. trying to learn. Do you have any thoughts about this? Yes, I do. Great. Um, if behavior was not genetically controllable, we would not have created 400 plus breeds to do different things. Right? Yes. So dogs can absolutely light up like a Christmas tree when they are given the opportunity to do what they were created by us to do. In their right? DNA, like they feel it. Like you. Oh, yeah. No, that their world makes sense when they are doing that work. Now, of course, not always every dog in a certain breed. It's not across the board, but is behavior genetically transferable? Absolutely, without a question, yes it is, or we would not have created the breeds to do what they're good at. Now, that does not mean that your dog will be miserable if you don't sled or herd or go ratting or whatever. <laughs> Right. I mean, dogs are wonder. They love our companionship mostly above all other things, but dogs can very much love to do what they were quote unquote bred or bred, bred to do. Uh, however, there's always the extreme of that where the animal is then used as a tool. Yes. Rather than right. So it's always easy at almost everything to find the extremes where the black and white areas are easy to locate. Yes. The gray areas are the tougher places. Yes. So you, you put a husky in a house where they're not getting walked and they're not getting you know, the exercise they crave, and that's an easy end to go, that's not right for that dog. And then you have the people that are racing their dogs 200 miles you know, nonstop, and you think, okay, that's, you got to think about that. <laughs> Then everything in between where people are walking or ski choring or biking and doing stuff that their dog loves going hiking, then yeah, that dog's needs are being met. And how do we know their needs are being met? Because they're not neurotic. Because <laughs> they're happy. Because they're happy. Abby was happy. Therefore, her needs were being met. Maybe not in the way he thought they should be met. Yes. But her need. So if a dog's not neurotic, I got no issue. If a dog's displaying signs of stress on some level or another, then we need to make some change so that their world makes more sense to them. Yeah. That doesn't mean you have to go get, you know, a flock of sheep. Well, I remember when we first got Abby and, um, and uh, we, brought, we, we brought her home and um, I'd never had a border collie before. And the first time she saw a ball, she like got into this like position. Yeah. You know the position, right? She yep. dropped. I mean, she's Movement. a puppy. She's like 10 oh, yeah. years old. No, it's in there. position. 
I like lazy. Okay. I'd never seen a more focused dog in my life. And I was yeah. like, Oh my God, this is genetic. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's genetic. She already yeah. knew how to do what she did. And oh yeah. It was like, I mean, she wasn't a human obviously, but I could literally like say very particular things to Abby. Oh, yeah. She would just go off and do it and come back. And I was like, how is it? Like she, I, my because son, these animals were our people's critical farming and ranching partners. Yes. They're absolutely equal partners. Yes. I remember I had sheep for a while and I had shepherds and my barn was closed off and there was a pasture that the dogs were not allowed to go into unless I invited them in. And I was doing something with a sheep. And at the time I was not winning. <laughs> the sheep had an opinion. I had an opinion and the sheep was clearly more qualified at that moment. And after I'd been slammed against the stall for a while, all of a sudden, my um, older shepherd female, Julia, she just looks around the corner at me. <laughs> and she had broken two big rules, right? Don't come into the pasture. Don't. And, and she's like, um, do you want my help? <laughs> and I'm like, thank you, doll. Right, thank you. And so she had to make the decision that whatever she heard going on on the barn overrode the, the, other, options, right. the other rules that we had. And that's what these animals do. They're unbelievably intuitive. And um, I remember one of my dogs, uh, if they went into the flock after I worked them and, and some sheep was a little difficult the day before, they would go in and sort of nose bump the one that had been difficult the day before. Cause they're like, I'm on to you. Don't even start with me. Uh, so they're working at such a level. I love the herding dogs because a good border collie has to take the handler's instruction and then put it through what they know about the flock. And so if you're trying to get the flock to go left and the flock's favorite field is to the right, that dog is going to orient more to the right so the sheep don't run while they're moving them left. So yes, they have the ability That's to take amazing. your instruction and work it through and that's one of the wonderful things about really seeing working dogs doing what they're good at. Yes. Get to see them as truly independent thinking, problem yes. solving, right? Not these little fluff balls that exist just for us to love, which is lovely, Amen. but Amen. it's so much more than that. Yes. And yes. I can't even, I can, all I could say is that it was a revelation having a border collie and it yeah. was miraculous and i i was constantly amazed i was just like oh my god and she was the most loyal like i said I, i'll start crying if i talk too much about her but she was just like the best and um so one of the things that and i will say this so when we first got her we had a big yard and then that relationship ended and i was forced to move for like six to seven months into this little apartment mm -hmm. abby who was the most well-behaved dog proceeded to chew yes, her bottoms way. of all my chairs. And I literally was like, I, ha I ended up buying a house. Yeah. With a yard. Abby because yeah. I was like, she needs a yard. Like we yep. need to be, it, these walks on the city streets aren't cutting it. No. And um, so I ended up, you know, buying this little house and it was, it, I was like, it's for her because I could clearly see she was stressed and unhappy. Oh yeah. And, and how many of us have bought houses? <laughs> cars, right? <laughs> trips, chosen spouses, by what works for our animals. Okay. First of all, you just hit on something that again, 
I, I'm just outing myself in so yeah. many ways on this episode, but I'm all, and I understand, let me say this, let me preamble this, that um, I understand that a lot of people don't like dogs or love dogs either because there was an incident right. or they haven't had experience with them. Right. But some part of me, I always think like, I couldn't, I don't think I could be with somebody who didn't like dogs. Like that to me is like, I'm like, that is, that would be so suspicious. I'm like, I'm a little suspicious when people don't like dogs. And I know I'm like, what, what's that about? And then I, I'm like, maybe they got bit or maybe they don't know. But when people are just like, I don't like dogs, I'm just like, what's up with that? Like, I don't even know. I think there's probably also genetic propensity in people. I think there were advantages. Oh, sure. Advantages to the animal bond. And I think some people just don't have that. They don't get the oxytocin loop. If you get the oxytocin loop from animals, then you're drawn to animals. But if the oxytocin fires for people, but doesn't fire for animals, then you look at it and go, why would people spend time? So I suspect they're genetic differences. All right. I love that insight. Thank you for that. The final thing I want to say, just because um, it makes me so happy. One of the things that I just think God bless dogs. Thank the universe, spirit, whatever you want to call it for dogs. The work that they're doing now, having little courtroom dogs yes. for kids yeah. that have to go like Can you imagine testify against their abusers and stuff like that? Like what a gift. What yes. a gift these animals are to us. Yes. Yes. They do stuff that we cannot do for ourselves. I trained a little dog for a wonderful friend of mine, client who suffers with disassociative identity disorder. And with him in her life, she can function in ways she never could. Even with people by her side, it's just different. They do stuff for us that we cannot do for ourselves and they, we need them. They're like a superpower in so many yes. ways. You <laughs> yes. know, they're like little, they're like, so, so a couple of things. I want you to tell people because I know people are going to hear this and I'm like, everybody's going to want to be like, Sarah, can you help me with my dog? So I want to be really clear about the role, how you work with people or animals at this point in your career, right. because you're kind of a big deal. Um, and then we, I'm, I'm going to definitely put below um, how people can find you on social media and your school and stuff like that. So, and then my other final question before you do that is, do you train trainers ever? Do you have courses where you work with trainers who might want to learn more how to relate and lead the I've way. always thought about doing that and I just never have gotten around to it. I've well I've gone around and lectured to trainers for ever. Yes. Um, and then I just you know my life changed and yes. I've got this wonderful new world here and my sweetie and I'm just not in the mood to travel anymore. I like I like it here. I wish people uh, could. I bet I'm gonna. I'm gonna say this because when the spiritual team comes in hot, I can't right. help but report. So take it or leave it. Oh, I guarantee you, Sarah, that if you were to set up something in your hometown and let them come to you, that you would be amazed. If you made it easy for you and just as Mary Oliver says, just let the soft animal body of yours love what it loves right and if you love being at home and that's what i do like i keep my retreats in new hampshire so i don't have to go very far so for me it's like i even i would probably come to yeah. one of those retreats just to learn because right. i think that if they're becoming if animals are continue to be as um vital yes necessary was i was gonna say in, in our lives the way that they are I want us to understand them and interact with them and respect them and love them. And we need yes. more of you. Ah, oh, thank in you. The world. I really genuinely mean that. And 
So I just think it would be amazing. So thank you. You can say encouragement. Yes. But so how do you work with people now? Because I know you've, you have helped celebrities, like you take their dogs for a while and you do all kinds of stuff, but I don't want to misspeak. So how can people know more about you, work with you? What do you do? Um, I'm in St. Louis and I help people locally and I also work internationally through Zoom or Skype to help people with their animals that are having trouble. So I can do that. It depends on the issue, but I can assist with quite a few issues just the way we're doing here. So I'm happy to talk to people about that. And you can find me through My Smart Puppy almost anywhere. My Smart Puppy, almost anywhere. You can also look me up on Wikipedia if you want to. Yeah, if you want to um, like read all her, her long bio. So MySmartPuppy.com is your website. Yep. Is there also a website for the school, you said? Is it My Puppy? Uh, my Smart Puppy School sends you to um, a few courses that I've put up. Okay. So reading body language, why women love dogs. That's all there at very reasonable pricing so that people can participate. And my Twitter is My Smart Puppy. And on Facebook, My Smart Puppy page, straight My Smart Puppy gets you to my personal page. You're welcome to go there. Yes. I'm happy to chat with anybody. Very happy. You guys, she has a lot of resources out there. So if you check out our website too, there's a lot of resources. And her books, like anytime somebody that I know um, gets a puppy, I say, go get the book. My My Smart Smart Puppy puppy. is my favorite. Yep, My Smart Puppy. Get my go get the book, My Smart Puppy. It was so funny. I was telling you at one point that um, when I bought my first kennel for Abby, mm-hmm. the book there was a book that came with the kennel, and it was My Smart Puppy. And so it was yeah. so funny. Like I don't even know how that arrangement happened. But years later, when I finally met you, I was like, "You're the yes book." Like I was so fascinated. I thought it was incredible. But you you have been such a. I have no doubt. I have no doubt. I know what a gift you've been in our life, helping us to understand. Good our furry kids more (laughs) and what I just know what a gift you have been to all of your clients and I I'm just so grateful I'm so grateful that somebody with not just your love but your wisdom and your character and the the, like I said you you are to me a spiritual dog dog trainer and a dog expert and I'm just so grateful for you and I'm so grateful for having you on the show so thank you for saying yes (laughs) are you kidding this has been a blast I don't get a chance to really dive in the way we got to dive in and I thank you for that opportunity because I love to talk about it and I don't get a lot of chance to talk like this so yeah and I hope like look I would have kept going but I'm like I already took up 90 minutes of her day I, I could talk to you for hours and hours there's so much there and because I like to learn too because I almost always like I I always say it like this and again I'm outing myself but like if you were to put like puppy or baby in front of me I'm like 99% of the time I'm going puppy so I tend to become very like animal focused of course it's why I'm a vegan it's why I am what I am but you do a really great job I think of reserving judgment and balancing like taking into account not just the animal that's in front of you, but the human too that's in front of you. And I can do this really well. Absolutely. I can do it really well when people like in spiritual mentoring and yoga and teaching right. and stuff like that, as soon as an animal gets involved, I get a, I get a little like, uh. <laughs> so it's harder. Yeah. You're a great teacher for me to always try Thank to take in the whole of what's happening. <laughs> and you were very helpful for me with that too. And practicing compassion towards myself Yes. Or not knowing how to fix 
what was happening. Because I grew up in the generation, and I know we're going over a little bit. I grew up in the generation, to this day, it still haunts me, where like, you know, my, my stepfather, you know, my dad was the one, like if the dog made a mistake on the carpet, pooped or peed on the carpet, could have been- They rubbed their face in it. They got whacked and they got their face shoved yeah. in it. And I, I could always, even as a little kid, I could always see the confusion in the dog's face. Like they didn't, I'm like, I'm like, I don't think they know that this was for the thing before. Listen, like, I was raised in that time period too. So that's one of the reasons that I don't have judgment of people because I've gone a long distance with my own development and we are just where we are. And I always adored the animal, but I was following the instructions that I was given. Yes. You know, and until we, when we know better, we do better. And that's all it is. So no, I am not judgy towards people because I have a memory. Yes. I, me, it's like, it's like, you know, there's a, there's a preacher in LA. His name is, uh, he does a lot of things. He's a life coach. He's a speaker. He's an actor, Tim Story. And he kind of, he says this great phrase, which I love. And he says, you know, basically along the journey, sometimes you just have to kind of let people suck for a little while, right? Like they're just going to, we're going to be, I would say we're going to be clumsy at certain times and we didn't know better. Like, so I'm, again, I'm just so grateful that we have somebody who, um, really cared enough and was curious enough to pay attention uh. for, for, to be present. Because I think to myself, how is it that she, ha- maybe you have a natural propensity, right? But wh- how are you able to decipher that body language? How did you learn? And I'm like, it's because she has spent thousands of hours paying attention. And one of the greatest ways that we show love is to be present and to pay attention. Yep. So just thank you for your willingness ah, thank to, you. to do that and to report back from the field what you've discovered. It's, it's a beautiful thing. And my goal is to share it so that people can stand on my shoulders and get to the next level of understanding from here we shouldn't always have to remake the wheel for each other we should be there boosting each other up and saying what's it look like for you up there and tell me you know take this stuff go out and come back and tell me so i can get to the next place and that's why i want you to train trainers (laughs) because i do i see a lot of this churning and like this like combative and i'm like why don't we all like everybody just report from the field this is what i'm seeing what are you seeing and then finding a way and i'm not saying like your way is the only way it's just the way that i'm wicked familiar with but i can tell you that your way compared to the other ways because i've worked with other trainers i was like oh Right. This feels really good. Right. For both of you. Exactly. Lit up. Bucky's like, I'm in. This is great. And then you're getting more connection from him. And he says, I can have connection. That's fantastic. And then you say, Oh, look, he's connecting. That's And then it all snowballs in the right way. But yes, we apply our lens. If it's combat, it's combat. If it's, I'm not worth connecting with, I've got to pay someone to be my friend or I've got to feed the dog to have relationship with me because they'll never work for me just for me because I'm not that valuable a human being. I think it's a self-esteem thing Um, that, that I'm like, no, 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 no. 
you're, you can have so much with your animal. You can't imagine how much more is available to you with your animal than transaction. All right. So yes, that's beautiful. And I'm so sorry to tell you that I have one final question. <laughs> Go for it. Because I have so many, and us, us too, us too, when, especially if you have more than one animal, let's yes. say, and let's say they may have only known each other a year or for, for in our case, six, seven, eight years. When an animal yeah. dies in a pack, when there's no longer that element, yes. so many people will say to me, like, either yes. I think my dog's depressed. Is there any kind of just general words that you can say to people? Like, if you have, like, two dogs and one passes away or a cat and whatever. Like, how do, do animals grieve, it seems to me, that they notice that something's different? But so, um, like, what, what do you think about that? Oh, absolutely. It depends on the animal. Because, like, when my shepherd I mentioned before passed away, the dog that she always looked at sideways was so happy. She would have tap danced on the burnt grave. She's like, my day just got better. I don't care where she's gone, right? She's just not here. But I've had other animals where they were really tight. And, of course, when their, part, when their friend goes, they are off kilter for a while. And also sometimes when we're grieving hard, our animals sort of get quieter because they see that we're upset and then we project onto them, see, they're really upset. And I'm like, well, <laughs> it might be that you're really upset. Um, but either way, you do the things your dog loves, you give them more structured interaction. So you do stuff together where you're leading and they're following because that often helps them feel like their world makes sense. Uh, and let them, let them have some time. They'll, they'll get there. Because um, sometimes the compulsion is to immediately go out and like replace, like fill the void, right? Or, and I'm not saying it's bad because it's like, oh, yeah. I think you, you have to know, like you said, you kind of have to know, like know the animal, you know? You know the animal, know yourself. Sometimes the animals <laughs> pass and I immediately get another animal and Pip passed in September, I think. Yes. And I didn't get Daisy until last month. Yeah. And, well, and in the meantime, you fostered kittens and I was so oh. jealous. I was like, oh my God. They were the cutest. Adorable. I want to do it again, but I have to give Daisy some more time to settle in. Yeah. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for your time. It was such a pleasure. I appreciate you. I love you. I, I, I celebrate you. Ah, <laughs> I can't you. wait. I can't wonderful. wait for this episode to go out. All right. Good to see you. Thank you, honey. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey, you guys, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Karen Kenny Show. <laughs> I super duper appreciate your time, friendship, and support. And look, if something that I shared from my heart today somehow landed in yours, I'd love to hear about it. So please tag me on Facebook or Instagram or IG stories or wherever the cool kids are hanging out these days. And let me know what your favorite pot was or what you found most helpful. You can find me over at Karen Kenny Live. That's Karen, K-E-N-N-E-Y-L-I-V-E. -E. And if you're digging what I'm saying and you want to hear more, I'd be wicked grateful if you could go to iTunes and subscribe and leave a review. Because you guys, that's how you'll help me to keep spreading the love. And if you can think of someone that could benefit from hearing this episode, please share it with them. 
I'd also love to stay connected with you. So if the feeling is mutual, please go to karenkenny.com backslash freebie and download my free guide to building your spiritual team. Until next time, my brothers and sisters, keep living in the fearless flow. Know that I see you, I appreciate you, and I love you. And wherever you go, may you be a blessing.